As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. That is Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. You know, anything travels that far, I'd have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? High drive! Left field! It is out of here! This is a simple game. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. You got it! You're listening to The Roundtable with Grant Brisby, Andy McCullough, and Mark Carrig on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 72 of The Roundtable. I'm Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy McCullough and Mark Carrig. Andy, how are you doing today? Grant, I'm okay. I'm very tired. You know, are you? I'm very yeah. tired. I've had some... Uh, some travel indignities, we should say, over the past few days. But we're here in Phoenix. It's the morning of Game 4 of the World Series. It's been a good series so far. Well, there was one good game. Uh, but it's been competitive, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. I think it's been a good series. Yeah, but it's would, you say, would you say that it's been a spooky series? Because it's Halloween. Oh, yes. Happy I, Halloween. I don't, yeah. I don't yeah. Know, man. Mark, what's up? Well, it's Halloween which is a, a big kid holiday here. So as soon as I'm done with this podcast, I'm done with work for the day because I got to go be with the kids for Halloween, man. So what are, you, what are your kids? What are they dressed up as? Well, they're Filipino, Grant. Um, oh, what are they dressed as? Uh, yeah. The, um, they're uh, they're um, from the uh, show Miraculous. We've got Cat Noir and Ladybug from Miraculous. Yes. Okay. Probably below you, the age group for your crew. Uh, my well, my daughter is ten. My youngest daughter's ten, and she's from a show called The Owl House. Some character, so yeah, they're doing the same thing. Where it's like just some show that I I don't resonate with. So, uh, what happened to like vampires? You know what I mean? What happened? What happened to the witches? Huh? Huh? There was a a kids show my 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 daughter liked. It was uh, it was a vampire show actually. Oh really? Vampirina was the name of it. Yes, it was a purple vampire. But she aged out of that. That was when she was really, really small. Now she's um, enough of a smart ass to say funny things back to me. So you, that's you know, my 
my 15 year old is she's Cher from clueless hey like, yeah you know sure. that's that's yeah. where you know it's something i i get something mm -hmm. i get alicia i i when you said that i was like she made a cameo in clueless that's <laughs> that's like the level i'm functioning at right now <laughs> Uh, no, like, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I was like, is that Alicia Silverstone's idol and she meets her, but Cher's not blonde? What, what the heck? No, see, what, what the folks at home are experiencing right now from Andy is, is called World Series Brain Rot. Yeah. And, and this is what happens when you've been on the road for the entire month of November, uh, or sorry, October. Okay? Yeah, like, October. Okay, you've been, this is, this is what happens, you guys. Like, you... You are on planes, you are up late, you are up early, or out late, up early, um, working all the time, and there's not much of a break in the schedule. And so this is it, World Series brain rot. This is about the time it really hits hard. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think that, yes. Uh, it, it, the games, the hardest games to cover are probably the middle games of the CS um, because you've been out for so long and the finish line isn't there yet. I mean, it's different when you're a beat writer. I did it as the beat guy for – you know, for the Royals and the Dodgers. And then you're just like, you're in it, you know, the people you, you know, you you're building all year towards the chance to cover something like this. And as, as a national guy, you're sort of like trying to figure out who's who. Thank you. Yes. Oh, we can talk about how these D backs remind me of the 2014 Kansas city Royals. Oh, buddy. baby. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's just a, like, for example, uh, Sunday I got in and I had no clean clothes. I was wearing the only clean clothes I had, right? So I check into the Fairfield Inn and I'm like, all right, I got to do laundry. And so I go downstairs and I get changed to do laundry from the nice lady there. And then uh, I come downstairs again and because I forgot to get detergent. So I get detergent from the nice lady there. Uh, and then I put the laundry into the washer and I washed it. And then I put it into the machine next to it to dry. Uh, and I ran the cycle, and I opened it up half an hour later. It's still dry. And I'm like, ah, these stupid, you know, are still uh, wet. You know, these these stupid uh, hotel, you know, dryers. What the heck, you know? And so I'm like, all right, I'll put it, I'll I'll dry it on extra hot. You know, that's the setting. So I do it again, and I come through, and I'm like, what? The, it's still, you know, half an hour later, it's still wet. And I, and I open up, and as I'm looking at the machine, and it says washer. <laughs> those clothes are just, clean baby and that was my sunday that's what i did <laughs> on sunday you know is i and yeah they were and then i went to put them in the dryer and i dried them and of course the dryer wasn't strong enough to actually dry them. <laughs> so i had and then but at that point it was like i had to go to the ballpark you know so i had like kind of damp clothing and then oh, i great. had to just drape my like you know socks and shirts and underpants all over my hotel room to air dry it's I mean, like john, like the life of kings man john Heyman's just like to the guy next to him was like hey do you see mccullough today he's a little moist looks like he jumped in the pool <laughs> thought it was a dry heat uh the, i the first i've told the story 13 times on multiple podcasts but the first time i ever met andy was in the houston mm. airport after game five of the 2017 world series and uh he was in a fugue state like i was trying to like hey what's up Andy? you know like hey respect your right and he was like he had blood dripping from one ear he was looking <laughs> off in the distance just you speaking in tongues like because that was one of the craziest games if not the yeah. craziest game in 
baseball history almost. And so we were all up late doing rewrites and this and that. And uh, he was gone, man. Like, that's the first time I ever met Andy. And I was like, this guy's weird as hell. <laughs> yeah. And it was, but, you know, an <laughs> accurate wrong. depiction. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. that's that's what it feels like this time of year. And so for the folks who are grinding along, I mean, that's a lot. Of, look, the folks at home that are reading this stuff, these guys are working really hard. Like, seriously, like, to be earnest about it, um, especially our crew. Dang it, you guys are doing good work. So finish line's almost here. Um, then no more laundry to do in the Phoenix, whatever, Fairfield Inn or whatever it was. Like, I, I, I was listening to the, that story, and I, I was remembering the old days at this place where they forgot to do things like set budgets. And um, <laughs> do you remember this? Like it, there, there was one guy that would approve expenses here. His name was, um, oh my God, it was like Gunther or something like that. Anyway, like he would, it was one guy for the whole company. All right. So you'd mm. be in the middle of a dinner and before the, like you, you'd like sign and then like, and then that, and you put the expense in and before you were in your car, it had been approved by this guy. Okay. And, yeah. and he did this for like every writer in the company. So as you can imagine, right. With, with this guy, like, sort of overwhelmed like stuff got through so the, the, the great thing is i never had the laundry problem because i just dropped it off at the hotel dry cleaning <laughs> which is so bad and like in this current state if i saw someone do that i'd be losing my mind but this was a different time and a different i can only imagine what was going through the woman at the front desk at the fairfield inn's mind when i walked down to see her for the fourth time with a stack of dimes that I had in my bag saying, can you please change these into quarters? <laughs> so <laughs> I can... <laughs> and she, after she'd already broken a $5 bill to give me quarters. I have to get the story out because it's the hardest I've ever seen my wife laugh at me, uh, which is a very high bar. But when I went to college, right? So I started, I was in the dorms. I was 16 years old. That's a different story. That's a long story. But I was in the dorms at 16. And so now I'm doing my own laundry. And I put everything in the dryer and I take the fabric softener and I just neatly, deftly tuck it into the lint trap. You know, because that's where it looks like where a dryer sheet should go. Just so it fits perfectly. And the people there just they I had two people watching me and they're, they're going, your mommy did your laundry, didn't she? Didn't she? And it was humiliating. <laughs> that's it didn't. So when I told my wife that because she knew me when I was a little bit older uh, than that, but not much. It, I needed a lot of work. Uh, my mommy did do everything for me. You were in college at 16, Doogie Hauser. Yes, I was. Yes, I was. What the hell wow. are you doing doing this? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't shouldn't, a good college. Shouldn't you be like, it was you know, not. They, shooting they, rockets into the sky or, or, you know, curing cancer, something useful? I had a 2.6 GPA in high school. So it's like, I'm not smart. They just screwed up. It was like the 70s or 80s or whatever. They're just like, yeah, whatever. You know, you seem smart. Like, hey, you move up. And uh, yeah. yeah, we'll talk about I would I would watch a documentary about Grant's 20s. Well, no, because my twenties weren't that exciting. I was uh, I was a homebody because I I was with my wife. You know, we didn't go out; we just uh, hung out together. But uh, my teens, whew. yeah, there you go. Mark is just staring. Mark is just like he's like, is there a way we can monetize this? Can Grant do a weekly <laughs> diary? Like, no, I was just thinking this is a, just a horrific idea. Hard pass. What's next? <laughs> Let's talk baseball. Jesus. Ten minutes in, uh, this is a record. This is a record. Ten minutes in, 
let's talk baseball. Have you noticed anything in the World Series that's caught your eye? Uh, shall we talk about Corbin Carroll, Brandon Pafat? Uh, what's going on? World Series. What are you seeing on the ground? Andy, it's up to you. Yeah. Um, Brandon Pafat's been great for the, the Diamondbacks. He lost last night. Um, you know, the, the offense did not do much uh, against – you know, whatever Max Scherzer's latest sort of Scherzerian performance. John Gray was great out of the bullpen. Um, you know, the D-backs, when they don't, when they're not on the bases, they can't really wreak havoc. And the Rangers did a good job of keeping them off the bases last night. There was also a pretty, pretty uh, poorly executed play uh, with uh, Tony Paris Chica, the third base coach, I think kind of hung Christian Walker out to dry a little bit. Walker seems like he kind of took the heat, but it seemed pretty clearly to be on the third base coach there. Really? Uh, I don't know this... about that. You, I mean, mean, it was a clear stop sign. Yeah, after he'd been wheeling his arm. Like he's wheeling his arm as Walker breaks from second base, right? Walker did not pick up. Walker did not get a good jump. He's not a runner. Uh, they have a great fielder in right field. The coach is wheeling him in, and as soon as Walker catches that sign, right, he's head down, hauling ass to the to the plate. Like, yeah, sure. Like, should he look up at third base, maybe again? But that's also how you get hurt. Right. Like he's not like that's this isn't Corbin Carroll we're talking about. Christian Walker's a big man, you know, yeah. and you're talking about like potentially blowing a hamstring if yeah. he all of a sudden has to hit the brakes. And so I just thought it was a, you know, just poorly executed all around. Right. There's some blame Fair for Walker, point. but I think more for for Paris Chica. Fair point. Fair point. I uh, just as a uh, remember some guys guy uh, myself, Tony Paris Chico was on the Giants bench in like 1992. And I just freaking love that I'm talking about him right now. <laughs> Tony Paris Chica. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I can see your point now where if, if you've got Garcia is the arm that you're dealing with and Walker, Correct. you know, runs like a, a walker and you just <laughs> you, you, you kind of maybe want to throw that up. <laughs> runs like Listen. a walker. Yeah. That's a good line. Oh, I should maybe use that. That's good. He does run yeah, like a walker. For it. Go no, for it. good point. That like you can't, you cannot throw the brakes on there and expect to play the rest of the series healthy. Right? Like that. That is <laughs> yeah. true. And yeah. yet, it's the Rangers that are like sproying. You Ooh, know, like, boy, yeah. Max Scherzer's boy, oh boy, oh boy, or Garcia. I mean, we probably coming. We probably yeah. <laughs> we. We've probably seen the last of uh, Garcia as well, which I mean, because that that has to be an oblique, right? It looked oblique esque, um, and obliques are a month. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, yeah, at, at, they're generally a month, and you know, you, it's not the sort of thing you can just sort of you know hit with tour at all and change, <laughs> right? Obliques right. are just you just got to let it pass because if so, you could, they'd all do it already. That's that's yeah. why they put you on the shelf for so long, right? Yeah. So I don't, I, you know, we don't know just yet, um, but there's it's hard to like come up with a good injury there right? right like when a guy swings and immediately grabs his side it's like best case scenario back spasms you know, maybe but like maybe it's his liver you know <laughs> <laughs> ah, my liver yeah it's a kidney stone <laughs> I mean, at least you no. can like hit through that you'd think but like look i, I think james we, shields we, passed a kidney stone in the 2014 postseason man that's amazing hit the bell hit the bell hit baby. it do it but like you look at this guy, and he looks like he could probably play linebacker somewhere. He's just this yeah. gigantic dude, and like dude. Yeah, we see it, right? I, I I think that oblique injury again. We're speculating, but like things like that just crop up more often. These guys are so much bigger. 
I, I mean, it's just, I guess, more muscle to pull or whatever. And and I, I just remember, like, yeah, as a kid, like that wasn't an injury you'd hear all the time. Yeah. At least that's not what I remember. And then yeah. now, like the last seven, eight years, it's like, yeah, it's the dreaded oblique, and everyone knows what it means. And so yeah. maybe it's just a byproduct of the fact that these guys are bigger and stronger, and these things happen, which is too bad. Because, um, man, how much fun has he been? Do you, yeah, you know what I would do if I had the Dimebacks? I would get a guy to do one of those. I saw it in a documentary once where this uh, guy could clap his hands together, rub them real fast, and then touch the muscle, and then it's healed. You ever see that documentary, The Karate Kid? Well, if the Diamondbacks were going to do it, they should do it to Corey Seager's wrists and try and put a spell on them. <laughs> I mean, I, well, that, Seager's just been obliterating run. them. That yeah. whole run was just so beautiful because yeah, you, wow. it, it it wasn't it was uncomplicated. He was sitting change up. He says, "Okay, this guy knows that I'm swinging on right. the first pitch most of the time. He's gonna he's thinking I'm thinking fastball. He's doing rock paper scissors stuff to where he's he's going. Yeah, I'm gonna sit on this change up and hope it's right there. And he hit that ball so hard. I yeah, I, I watched it like seven times. It was such a fun home run yeah. to watch. The fought homer, you mean the second one." The fought over, yes, yes, yes yeah. friend of the show, Brandon fought, who's been great. Oh, uh, yeah, I must reiterate. Yeah, I mean, Seeger is such an impressive hitter when he is healthy and sort of locked in, which he's been for you know the past several months. Obviously, he missed some time, like, he missed, he played like I want to, I'd have to look it up, it's like somewhere 110, 120 games, and like he was an eight win player or something like that, seven win player. Um, you know, playing good defense, uh, he. He led the American League in doubles, even though, again, he only he missed like 30 or 40 games, uh, you know, 1,000 OPS. I mean, the homer he hit in game one off Paul Seawald was like uh, <laughs> just a titanic sort of shot. And I was talking to people, you know, to – I wrote a story about Dan Heron as the, the Diamondbacks pitching strategist, you know, so I was talking to a lot of people in their pitching department uh, over the days leading up to, you know, game one, and you're talking about, you know, like they're talking about game planning and strategy and this, that, and the other thing, and, like, the one thing I was just – as a joke, I'd be like, so, like, you're going to, you know, obviously put in there, don't throw Corey Seager first pitch fastballs, right? And it's like, aha, yeah, you know, we're not going to do that. And then, <laughs> boom, like Paul Seawald was like – Maybe I'll sneak this heater by him. Poof! Like just destroyed it. Uh, and it's so funny because Seeger is like he's just he does what he does. He hunts up in the zone early in the count, and somehow he just brings. It's like it was like watching Kyle Schwarber in, in portions of that uh, of that NLCS where you're like, how is he controlling the zone to get this pitch? Like how is he doing it? But Seeger just does it on the first pitch. It's like he has a homing device like right here <laughs> where it's like, well, just put it there and I'm going to hit the living shit out of it to right field. Like you, Andy, you've covered that guy. Okay, so mm -hmm. you, you've seen the evolution of, of, of his game. Or, and I guess I'm curious as to, you know, we, he's obviously operating at an elevated level. Are we watching someone who's just gotten hot, been healthy? Is there something different from what he was earlier in his career? What, how would you assess no, that? No, I mean, so the thing is, so I covered Corey Seager in 2016, and he finished third in the MVP race that year, right? Like yeah. he was the like probably unanimous rookie of the year. Um, you know, he was 22, and he was expected to be a perennial MVP candidate, you know? And what happened is he got hurt. 
He dealt with a lot of back problems in 2017. In 2018, he had Tommy John. Uh, he also had a hip procedure, you know, uh, after the Tommy John. And so all of 2019, he was sort of, you know, messed up physically. Those are, bad in, those are bad. Those are bad. Yes. Like back. Yeah. Bad. Bad. Yes. Hip, <laughs> like those back. are not your normal. Oh, my hamstring. No, back and hip. Are you right. freaking kidding me? Right. Yeah. He's a shortstop and he got Tommy John. Like, yeah, he's had, you know, major, major medical procedures over the years. Um, 2019, you know, he was just sort of all jacked up because he's coming back from like two different surgeries. 2020, he was the World Series MVP. He was awesome. You know, in 2021, he was a little bit banged up again. 2022, banged up again. And it's when he's healthy, he is a monster. Uh, it's the, the only issue with him has just been health. Can his body, you know, he has a big frame. You know, he's a big, strong guy. He's not, he's a player who, um, you know, 25 years ago would never touch the shortstop. Position. Oh, God. He, would, oh, he God. would be in left field. He'd be a first baseman. But, you know, he came up at a time when, you know, between, uh, his, you know, the, the athleticism he had in his youth with uh, infield shifting, the Dodgers were able to make him into, you know, a fairly competent defender. And to his credit, he's, you know, been able to sort of lean out a little bit. And uh, I think he was a gold glove, you know, candidate this year. I don't know what his exact defensive metrics are, but they've always been like, he's perfectly fine, you know? Um, And so when you have that value at, when you have the ability to play that uh, position, when you hit like a first baseman, that's how you get this sort of player. Like if Otani didn't exist, you could make a pretty strong case that at 110 games or whatever it is, he's the MVP of the American league. Um, So it's not, so Mark, so the long winded way of like, it's he's not different. This is the player he was supposed to be. He's uh-huh. just dealt with just a ton of injuries in his 20s. And now as he enters his 30s, it's not going to be easier. But this is the guy who the Dodgers thought he might be. Look, I, I think one of the things I miss about covering the sport every day is going to the park every day. And when you go to the park every day and you're out on the field – you see these people and like there's a certain scale you can sort of put him on because you're standing right by him, right? Like it's mm-hmm. different. You can see it on TV. You know who big guys are and whatever, but like it's obviously different when you're seeing somebody up close. And I will never forget the first time I laid eyes on Seager. Yeah. I'll never forget it. I come up the dugout steps at Dodger Stadium and I get to the field and I look up and I'm like, look at the number on the kid's back. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, you're shitting me. Like, I, I don't yeah. remember who it might have been Anthony DeComo, a uh, friend of the pod, Anthony DeComo. I'm like, yeah. this is the shortstop. Yeah. That's the shortstop. Yeah. Like, and I'm looking like, you're shitting me, right? Like, no way. And then, then he goes out and like backhands a ball and starts warming. I'm like, holy shit, that's a shortstop. So, like, I, I think when you're talking about how big this guy is, and, and like, again, like, you know, there's that thing with the bigger dudes, like you, you think they might get hurt more or whatever. He's obviously caught some bad luck, but like I think of like, you know, guys tend to get hurt like when they're just bigger than what they're supposed to be at their position. Like that was my very first impression of him, and I'll never forget it. It was just like, like it broke my sense of scale. Okay, because yeah. you, you're used to seeing you typecast players. It was the same way, like, you know, Matt Weeders was a giant catcher. I remember covering mm-hmm. him back in the day. Like, he was enormous, and you're just like, God, catchers shouldn't be that big. Right. Anyway, um, yeah, the same feeling with Seager. And, and so, yeah, it's it's almost like he's had such health issues that you almost it's easy to forget what he looks like when he's healthy. I guess that's mm-hmm. what my thought was when I was listening to you kind of go through all that. Well, I, I think 
he did get a 10 year, $325 million yes. contract. So people yes. were, he, he's not sneaking up on anyone. No. I think is no. it, he's good. He's really no, good. But that, as as he's Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra-flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB show. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get direct TV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream direct TV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit directtv.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. That contract did, I think, exceed a lot of people's expectations for what he yeah. was going to get. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, look, I mean, he I, I, if you had asked people in the game, they probably would have pegged it closer to like 250 or whatever that he was going to yeah. get. And he ended up getting this just mega deal. And like he's lived up to it in, you know. Uh, the first couple of years, I mean, last year he was dealing with some health stuff to getting adjusted to a new place, you know, all that. But you can see, like, he is a he's an incredible hitter, and he does it in a style that I I don't know many hitters like him. His aggression, like he, sticks but he'll take to his, a walk. 
he can take a walk. That's certainly not his preference. He comes up there looking to hit immediately. He's yeah. not trying to work the count. He's not trying to like, you know, get into an advantage to one. He comes up there hunting specific zones and he's good enough to get that and to, to, to succeed with that. And so there are times, right. When he's going bad, where you're like, why is he swinging at that? Or, you know, Jesus, Corey, like, you know, you see like three guys walk and then he's just first pitch hacking. Like, but that's his approach. And it works for him because he has these skills because of, you know, all the work he does. Um, you know, he's become like Axel Rose and that he doesn't like give interviews anymore. <laughs> it's very funny. Um, he just hates doing the interview. Like he's polite and, you know, he, he answers questions and most, but he just like does not enjoy it in any meaningful way. And so he has to be on the podium every night, just sort of being like, yeah, no, it's, um, it's good. It's always good, you know. Like he, when you see emotion from him, right? Like he screamed after he hit that home run um, in game one and I'm watching it and I'm like, I remember that. I saw him do that in 2017. That's the exact same emotion he had because you, you don't normally see that from Corey Seager and you saw it, you know, the last night he hits the home run, just nothing, just whoop, cool. All right. Like flips his bat. It's when it's in that big spot, you can see that, you know, how much he actually cares about this stuff. Well, we've we've hit a lull. So, so here, the here's some words. Here's some words, Royals, man. It's crazy. That rhyme with Corey. Story, allegory. Um, <sighs> all right. That was a Simpsons reference. That that's for the heads. That's for the the heads that are waiting for me to make a Simpsons reference. All right. Uh, I was waiting for Mark to jump in on something. I guess it was my turn. I don't know, man. Like, like, I was Se- listening to him. Like he was holding court. It was good. It was good. No, no, no. I was yeah, learning I, something. I don't want to give listeners the impression that like I was like, oh yeah, great story, and you really kill the freaking podcast. No, it was good. <laughs> Uh, I, I think so. Corey Seager's contract, <laughs> shaking your head, Andy. Uh, Corey Seager's contract, uh, to me was a little excessive, but at the same time, this is because you know, we're a pro labor podcast, maybe the only one, and we, <laughs> I don't want to say it was too much because when you get a season like this, a postseason like this, if this works out, boom, whole contract paid for whole contract and like these are the big swings are free agents going to age poorly almost always almost always you know unless you're like max scherzer on the first deal or greg maddox we signed with the Braves. it's gonna be a disaster by the end but if you get a postseason like this that's the reason you're doing the whole thing but the giants with barry zito like what he did in 2012 I, it's the best contract of all time. Even though he was worth like 0.001 war, that was the best contract of all time because he came through in 2012. So if you get that kind of performance from a guy like Seager, justifies the whole endeavor. This well, is like the AJ also... Burnett thing in New York. By yes. The way. It's yeah, the exact right. same thing. His I'm sorry, started the World Series pays for all of it. Yeah. Right. Uh, the thing, I mean, the thing with Seager and they, you know, they part paired it with Marcus Simeon signing him relatively you know, I, I don't remember which one was first, but they signed them both, you know, pretty quickly is, you know, that's a $500 million flag you're putting down. Yeah. And you're saying like, look, the Texas Rangers are for real again. Right. And it didn't materialize last season. They had a lot of turnover. Um, and, you know, they, they, Chris Woodward was pushed out. John Daniels pushed out. Chris Young was elevated. They brought in Bruce Bochy um, and they, continued sort of being aggressive. They continued spending in the offseason. You know, they gave J- – remember, remember Jacob DeGrom? 
They gave him a ton of money, and he's, yeah. like, not going to pitch for them because he's undergoing Tommy John. You know, they they signed Nathan Evaldi, who's turned out to be great. They were aggressive at the deadline, you know, uh, getting Jordan Montgomery. They gave up uh, uh, the Luis Angel Acuna for Max Scherzer, uh, which was a pretty significant, you know, and taking back Scherzer's money and, you know, taking on his contract for next year. And there's a lot of these moves that in a vacuum you're like, I don't know if that was totally worth it. Or like, man, they gave up a lot for Scherzer. He's like always got a neck spasm going, but they're two wins away from the world series. Mm -hmm. It all pays for itself. Like it all, like you, you understand why teams default towards sensible decisions, sensible decisions. But when you see something like this, you're like, yeah, you just this is why you go for it because everything is free. You know, it's house money at this point when you make it to the World Series. Well, I know Grant will appreciate this aspect of it. I get a kick out of when there's a team that's never done it before. That's about that's that's really close. Like they've never won a World Series. Like that's yeah. it's cool to see one finally come off the board. Okay? One of six teams. One of six teams. Yeah. And like, and this is a team that, by the way, if you look at their again from a historic standpoint, you know, and and if if you're a roundtable ahead who's been watching the Rangers your whole life, like you know, I'm speaking to you here. Like, I mean, there have been some lean years or times where just like it's never going to happen here, right? The excuse always being the ballpark and the heat and the ball like flies out of there and like you never quite put it together. I mean, and even the the start of the franchise is rooted in something not great, right? Like this is the second incarnation of the Senators. They also sucked. They moved. They come out to Texas. And, like, you know, for really years, like, looking for an identity, looking to establish roots, looking to kind of um, build towards something like this. So it, it's, you know, again, like a decade ago, they were really close, right? I mean, really, right. really close. Um, and we saw the excitement there. But I just think it's really cool to see him, you know, like you said, man, two wins away. And, and, and the way they've done it in this very aggressive manner, I think is really great too, and and they certainly assembled a team worth watching. So, uh, yeah, like I, I think I'm kind of getting a kick out of the fact that hey, man, we might be able to take one off the board here finally. Yeah, I I do. You know, I'm I, I'm a professional journalist, so I'm not supposed to root for teams, but I also covered the 2011 World Series, and just watching that that as someone who has no emotional attachment to the Rangers. I feel like I'm still scarred from watching Ooh. that because game six you, was yeah. If Ooh. you yeah, if you're watching that and you know that you're one strike away, one just scintilla of athleticism from your right fielder away from winning a World Series, which you've never done as a Giants fan who had just watched uh, the 2010 Giants. I ne- I thought the Giants were never going to win ever. Like it was just a part of their identity. They were mm-hmm. like uh, uh, low rent Cubs. They were just never going to win. You know that was that was what's going on. So I felt so bad for the Rangers. And ever since, I've been like, oh, maybe this is the year. And it, it, it hasn't been. But now I don't know. You know what I think about? You know what I think about with that World Series, the 2011 World Series, is uh, you know obviously right. Freeze ties it in in the ninth. Uh, for unknown reasons, Nelson Cruz is in right field and uh, and not uh, Andy Chavez. Uh, so Freeze hits the triple over Cruz's head. And they tie the game in, in the bottom of the ninth. And in the top of the tenth, Josh Hamilton hit a two-run bomb. Yeah. And when he hits that ball, you have to just – I just imagine he had to be thinking, like, I just won us the World Series. Yeah. Like, that feeling must have just been – and then to have it taken away in the bottom of the inning, like that swing, 
I don't know how Rangers fans process it. And, and it's hard to assign, like, um, it's hard to assign me extrapolate big meaning from discrete moments, but Mm -hmm. the franchise hadn't made it, you know, they still had a really good team the next year and the year after that, but it's, there had to have been some sort of psychic scar from getting that close and, you know, not, and having it just pulled away from you, you know, and, and they spent like a decade kind of trying to get back to that moment and they're here now. And it doesn't always work like that. Sometimes you, you get right. right up there and you're, and you're the, the guardians and you're, you've got to, Oh, right. wow. You know, we, we whiffed on Tony Fernandez uh, didn't make that play, but we'll be back. We'll be back, and then you just – well, I guess they did get that close again in 2016. And, oh, we'll be back. We'll be, and it doesn't always happen. Dude, like, like the, the we'll be back in this sport is a so kiss brutal. of death. Boy, oh, like – because I remember I mean, listening the to the New York Mets say that in 2015. We'll be back. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll be, be back. back. Look at all these arms. Like We'll be back. That's what they said when the Royals yeah. beat him. Whoa. What the? It's not me. Which one of it? Was that the, is, have you replaced the Royals bell with that? Because uh, yeah, that's the Karig talking about the 2015 yeah. Mets. That's the car alarm. That was, I oh, think, great. someone's stealing. Karig's going to talk about all they learned from Bartolo Colon. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, still pitching, by the way. Still pitching. Yeah, he, I mean, about the, the second round draft pick. So, like, the Phillies, we talked a little bit last time, like, the Phillies were, like, too vibes-based, right? And they actually were talking about, after they got eliminated, like, last year when we lost the World Series, you know, they were, they were, they were like, we're, you know, we're going to build off this. We're going to learn from this. We're going to come back. And Nick Castellanos was like, we said that last year. I'm not really sure what to take out of this year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, you know, it's hard. I mean, that's. That's something that people on the Dodgers have talked about over the years, you know, when they came close. It's just when you – how hard it is to keep doing it. And there's a reason why, you know, between luck, between attrition, between all that stuff, there hasn't been a repeat champion since the Yankees, right? Yeah. Right? And, you know, you see it just year after year how great teams – I mean, you know, the, the Braves in 2022 were pretty much in every measure better than the Braves in 2021. And they – you know, got crashed out in their first round. Like, it's just, it's so hard to get back to the summit. And so, yeah, like it, it, for the Rangers to 10 years later with almost a, you know, completely, I mean, I, yeah, the cast is completely different. Um, you know, the only person who's still around from the 2010 world series is Bruce Bochy. Uh, so, you know, who knows? <laughs> Dude, I, I'll bet you, like, it's just kind of different when you look at it in the, in the relation to all of baseball history, this lack of repeat champions or even repeat pennant winners. I think just about every era of the sport has had that element of like this team that just keeps winning. Like the Chicago Cubs, believe it or not, had been that team. And like the, the turn of the century that won these yeah. three straight pennants. And like, you know, obviously the Yankees had that run. The Oakland A's, right? Three straight in the early 70s. Um, like this had been part of what we'd come to know about the sport is that like repeats happen and like it's rare, but it happens. Not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Not anymore. And like that is very different. Um, I, I mean, is it a good thing? Probably because like that just probably tells you that um, there's more, it's more competitive and, and um, all that stuff. But yeah, it, it does kind of like bring into focus just how difficult it is to win at this. And so to me, like over time, like, okay, remember the Braves, like all those division titles they had won, they yeah. racked up in that period. And like, but 
the first thing people would say is, oh, only one World Series. Uh, uh. Right. It's just like, to me, that is like crazy. The more I look back at that, it's like, if that's your takeaway from this, then then I think we're having a hard time understanding what excellence in baseball actually looks like because that was it. Yeah. I think the Yankees broke a lot of brains. Uh, yes. Yeah. 98, yes. 99. You know, yeah. not just, not the 50s. You know, like, obviously, that broke a lot of But that was, you win, you're, you, you win the pennant, you're in the World Series. Like, right. that's a little bit easier to explain. But when you're into the wild card era and you've got the Yankees just like, yeah, we're the Yankees. We're going to show up and we're going to win. And mm-hmm. guess what? We're going to come back. We're going to win again. And you, you start to think, gosh, the best team's just going to keep winning. Like, right. That's how baseball works. <laughs> yeah. It's like basketball or something. Uh, broke brains. Right. But the cl- and the closest we've come is the Astros, right? They're the yeah. team who has has been the closest to that, probably, uh, in that they've won two World Series in this, you know, in a five year window, right? Yeah. Um, because the, you know, the Dodgers like they have been as good, if not better, than the Astros in the regular season, but they've only won one World Series, you know, and that was in 2020, you know, when uh, it was a you know, different sort of uh, you know, set of circumstances. And so it's just, yeah, I mean, I think that, I think we've talked about this on before on the pod, Mark, but like people around the sport, right, view those Braves teams as like, wow, like what yes. an incredible achievement. Yes. So and good. The sort of common perception among baseball fans is sort of like, oh, what a bunch of losers. Like, yeah, the only they talk about it the, yeah. it's weird. I understand it, weird. it. I understand it because at the end of the day, you watch sports, uh, one, to distract yourself from our crumbling world, but also to, you know, get schadenfreude at the failures of your friends, right? Uh, <laughs> right. And, and then again, then, then the other is like occasionally your team wins it all. Right. So like when your team wins it all, like that's the best feeling. The next best feeling is laughing at your friends teams when they don't win. And so every other team becomes a subject of scorn. So like, you know, when and people- you're almost guaranteed the second one, like that one you get on the regular where you get to point yes, at someone and totally. say you didn't, I mean, you know, Padres fans make fun of Dodgers fans when the Dodgers get knocked out of the postseason. The Padres didn't make the playoffs. Like, <laughs> never but that's the that's world the joy series. of it. The joy of it is that you know the Padres have never won a World Series, never. right? But that's the joy of it is you get to you know inflict you get to you get to transfer your suffering onto your fellow <laughs> man. Essentially, yes. that's that is sports fandom, right? In our interconnected world. You, you know what's crazy about we were talking about the Braves just now, like and like oh those losers or whatever. Yeah, they get talked about like they're the Buffalo Bills. I know. And it's wild to me. But that's like, another thing, too, is like <laughs> the Buffalo Bills should be celebrated. I know. <laughs> they made four straight Super Bowls. Oh, but, you man. know, you lose. It's just it's a weird we have a very um, we have a very binary way of assessing success or failure. Right. It's either you win, you know, and and to an extent, like I remember, you know, I wrote the story about Farhan Zaidi many years ago where he was just like the only point is to win. You know, you get you get one Friday Night Lights, you know, 29 teams get a Sopranos ending and one team gets the Friday Night Lights season one ending. And that's it. Right. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, it's like if you don't win. Right. It's a failure. That's the way that we have come to understand, you know, but I think if you spend time around the industry, you, you know how hard it is to do it. Uh, but that's the, but also the, the, the way the people who run these teams in the baseball operations department, at least are wired, like they know intellectually that 
it's all out of their control and there's luck and variance, blah, 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 blah. But they are sort of, they're crazy people who are wired, you know, to only accept winning as, a, you know, as, a, as the only way to call this season a success. Yeah, I, I wonder if it's age or experience in my job or – but I, I used to be uh, one of those people where it was just like, if you don't win the World Series, failure, failure, yeah. failure. And now I, I just – I don't see it like that. And when to the extent when the Giants – when I think back on 2021 <laughs> and the Giants winning 107 games, I'm not going, gosh – uh, gosh, you know, it's uh, <laughs> Wilmer Flores, man. If he had, if he, if that was cold correctly, I just think back and go, that was a hell of a season. That yeah. was fun. Wire to wire fun. Didn't work out, but what an accomplishment. And I don't think I would have been there 20 years ago. I think in my head, I would have been just stewing over it. Um, yeah. And I don't know if that's because I've seen the Giants actually win the World Series when I wasn't expecting it, or if it's just because I'm older and wiser now. Um, but it, it, I love those seasons. I love good seasons. Great, yeah. The Braves are good. The Braves back then were really good. I think that uh, – I think I can relate to that somewhat in that <clears throat> when I was a beat writer for – Specifically for the for the Royals and the Dodgers. And maybe this is the easiest way is to describe this with the Dodgers, right? I took over the Dodgers beat in 2016. The team had made the had won the division three years in a row. They had the most the highest payroll in the sport. I viewed it as my job as to uh essentially like not keep keep score, but just remind the readers of what the expectations were. That this is a team that has been to the playoffs, right? They haven't won a World Series since 1988. Doing less than that should count as a failure because that's what they are saying to you. They are saying that their goal is to win the World Series. So I'm here to remind you of that every day. You know, use the phrase like championship aspirations. And when you're in it and, you know, as a beat writer, it's different than being a fan, but you have the same level of intense following of what's going on and investment in the outcomes because it changes what you're going to write and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, so when you get to the end and you don't win, the your team doesn't win the World Series, you know, you have to describe it you know, based on what the expectations were coming in. It's when you get out of it, right, and you're not, like, living in it day to day as whether, you know, a fan, whether as a beat writer, but when you have more of a 30,000-foot view. Like, I can look at this Dodger season where they won 100 games and crashed out, you know, in, like, disastrous fashion in the DS and be like, well, it was still a success, man. I mean, they won the division. Like, they had a lot of things go wrong, and they were still had a chance. Um, yeah. But that's not – I mean, that's because I'm not invested daily in mm. what they're doing, in the way that fans are, in the way that – you know. and I wasn't invested daily in what the Barbs were doing during those years. And so it's just – it's a matter of perspective, I feel like. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I, I One of the first podcasts I think we ever did uh, as, as a trio, I claimed that the Dodgers were a dynasty, and you guys yelled at me. No, and they're not. Yeah, well, I just... They're not, Grant. Grant, they're not. I'm just saying that there's like a level between like a really good team for a long time and a dynasty, and they're in that tier. It's like a well, you should dollar invent a tree Germ- dynasty. You know invent what I mean? Invent a German word for that, because I'm sure the Germans have a word for that. They have a word for everything. Scheisen. Scheisen. That's not... Dodgerhosen. Yeah. Oh, um, you, wait a minute. I, that was two years ago that we yelled at you for that. Yeah. 
Like, yeah. are you still scarred by it? Like, you just call, are, like, recall, like, oh, like not all I about th- this. I think about it a lot because they they won a hundred games again, and they did it with like, I don't know, they did it with like Elmer descends in the rotation. Like, it's Elmer descends. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it, to me, that's not not a dynasty. I think it's the what I settled on. It's just it's a ridiculous stretch of success. Regular season, I get it, but from an organization and baseball shouldn't be as easy as they make it look. As far as the that's what, uh, by the way, that's what Max Scherzer was using to repair the cut on his thumb was Elmer descends glue. <laughs> oh, they killed him and made glue out of him. Oh, oh no, <laughs> that's bleak. I, yeah, I mean, a we, horse. We don't have to relitigate this, but you have to win more than one title to be a dynasty. I know, no, no, I just, just you just can't like I, the Astros. Are the closest thing we have and they've they won two and they were separated by so many years that it's just hard to yes yeah, so it's just hard to give them there too obviously yeah. Yeah. what's that there's other contacts there too obviously. right yeah i mean yes <laughs> sure i mean so yeah that the, there's not yeah i don't think so, so they're not the big red machine no, no no i know and i i'm aware of that because i i've watched dynasties before uh Warriors, right? What's up, Mark? What's Dude, up, Warriors? Warriors. Yeah, look, and your 49ers were a dynasty back in the day, yes. obviously. Yeah, back when I had hair. Yeah, yeah. like I mean, the NHL actually denotes dynasties. You know that? Did like in really? their history, yeah. So the Edmonton Oilers were one. The the um, uh, New York Islanders that won four cups in the eighties. Like that, yeah. They they denote dynasties. So um, that would be a fun exercise on an off season, I guess. Uh, if baseball did that, who would they be? You know who will be a dynasty is the Philadelphia Eagles because they can't be stopped. <laughs> birds go birds. Birds they have the Cowboys there. coming up, don't they? Yeah, big, big one. Week. Big one. Big, big week. One. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Cowboys coming to town for first first real test of the season for the birds. So should be interesting. I, I heard yeah. somebody say this, and I'm sure it's true that that Dak and um, Jalen Hurts haven't matched up head to head very much um, because one of them's usually hurt. So I mean, it's not Jalen. Um, well, anyway. By the uh, way, did you see Travis Kelsey was at the game? Was at game one? Yeah, saw that. It's a sign, right? He's <laughs> they're they're trying he's to mess running. with our brains, right? He's they're, running. They're doing something to mess with our brains. I don't yeah. know the exact. I have some, I have some theories, but there's 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 something afoot here. That yeah. that was weird. Like, it was a game in Texas between a team from Texas and a team from Arizona, and a man from Cleveland who plays for a team in Missouri was just there at the game and they showed him on the big screen. It's it feels I don't know. I I look to, it, I I he, it all of a sudden he, all of a sudden he's going to be in like Starship Troopers videos, you know, it's like would you like to know more? Like I'm Travis Kelsey and you got to sign up for the Insect Yeah. Program. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exa- there's it, there's something afoot. As good a theory as any. <laughs> we, we are living in the world's worst Paul Verhoeven movie. Uh, all right. That's a film director, Mark. Thank you. All right. This has been episode 72 of the Roundtable, the podcast you would not buy for a dollar. See, I brought it back. I, I got a Paul Verhoeven reference in there. All right. Yeah, do you not watch movies, Mark? All right. No. Yes. No. We'll be back next week to kind of wrap things up, right? Because we're about to go on season hiatus. Do we? Yeah, Does this we'll have, podcast yeah. take a break. Who knows? Producer yeah. Brian will let us know. 
Mm-hmm. The day before. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week to talk about who won the Dern World Series. So we oh, will yeah, see buddy. you then. Uh, we'll have a lot of hot takes. So see you then. I was very wrong.